1 Corinthians 1, 9 I want to start with. This is so the Holy Spirit moving in this place today. This is the Holy Ghost. It says this, God is faithful. Now keep in mind, I had no idea what Kathy was going to say. I had no idea what she was going to sing. It says, God is faithful by, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, when reading and studying the word of God, there is one major conclusion that you must come to. And it is this, our God is faithful. The title of this message today, Responding to Our Faithful God. I say the key word today is faithful. God is faithful. See, God has never given us a reason not to trust him. If something went wrong in your life, it's not God's fault. God is always faithful. If, if our Heavenly Father were to give him a re, give, were to give us a reason not to trust Him, friends, He would not be God. Do you understand that? If there was just one single reason He gave us where we could not trust Him and stand on His word, He would not be God. Because He would be no different than mankind, those He created. Are you hearing me? No different. He wouldn't be any different. But God, the creator, the true and living God, is not man that he should lie, the Bible says. Lying is totally against the nature of God. Totally. In fact, Jesse Duplantis said this once, and it's true. He said, if God were to tell a, tell a lie, it would be, a, be the truth. It would turn into the truth. If he seen yellow and he said that's blue, it would turn to blue. Because God cannot lie. And we can trust him. The fact is this, he will never let us down. He never lets go of us. But we are the ones who can let go of him. See, our God is faithful, but we need to be faithful to him. Oh, hallelujah. Do you understand that God is filled with thoughts about his children, about you and I? Do you know that we are always on his mind? Go to Psalms 40. This is powerful verse here. Psalm 40 says this. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak them, they are more than can be numbered. Guys, this is the God of the universe. God the creator. You and I, we're always on his mind. He neither sleeps. He never slumbers. Nothing takes him by surprise. Do you understand that today? Nothing. You are in God's thoughts right now, this very second. Right now. What kind of thoughts is he thinking about toward you and me? Go to Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 29.11 is such a profound scripture. This is just one little piece of how God looks at us and, and what are his thoughts? His thoughts are so many they can't even be numbered, the Bible says. Well, God, what kind of thoughts do you have toward us then? He said this, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I like that. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. God's not out looking to beat you up. Are you hearing me? He's not out uh, looking where he can, he can just pull out the whip and spank you. No, he has thoughts of peace and not of evil. And he's waiting on you, come on, title of this message, to respond to his faithfulness. Respond to his love. He cares for you. 
He cares about everything that's going on in your life. I really want you to take hold of this today. So we need to respond to his love. What should our response be to our faithful God? How do we respond to a faithful God? I want to break that down, and I want to give you some points, just a few points today, to meditate on throughout the days to come about this one topic, okay? And I want to start out by reading Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, turn there with me. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 19 through 25, I'm going to read, and then I want to break this down. The Holy Spirit gave me some key points, some golden nuggets for us to really take hold of on how to respond to him. And some other points, we may go on a few rabbit trails here, but hold on, it might be a bumpy ride, but we're going someplace. Amen? Deuteronomy 1, 19 through 25, listen to this. This is Moses speaking, the Holy Spirit through Moses. So we departed from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites as the Lord our God had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of, our, of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us uh, of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. The plan well pleased me, so I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went into, into the mountains and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us saying, it is a good land which the Lord our God is giving us. Now, I want to break that down even more, okay? I want you to notice that the word of God referred to the wilderness journey as great and terrible. Yeah. What does that mean? Now, when I, those of you who don't know, what's the wilderness journey? When you get born again, there's a pruning process that begins. And it goes until you go home to be with the Lord. Amen? But specifically, there's periods of time we call the wilderness journey. All right, where God is dealing with you. He's testing your faith. He's testing your devotion, your faithfulness to him is what's going on. So the wilderness journey for us as Christians is great spiritually in the sense it's part, like I said, of the pruning process. And it's the testing ground for your faith. Again, it's the place where your faithfulness is, is tested before the Lord. The wilderness is great. Then it says, it's terrible. Listen, the wilderness journey is terrible in the sense that it is not a comfortable place to be all the time. Are you hearing me? I'm putting a spin on that. I'm put, I believe the Holy Spirit really showed me this. Listen, it's terrible in the sense for our flesh because it's not a comfortable place to be. The wilderness journey takes you out of and leads you out of your comfort zones in your life. That is, I mean, I'll tell you what, one of the biggest hindrance to us moving forward with God is our comfort zones. Can you say amen to that? Now, I want you to notice in verse 20 that God was giving them the promised land. He said, I'm giving you this land, did he not? But listen, it was not automatic. Why? Because there were enemies in that land that God has promised to his people. Well, you know, think about it. God says, I'm giving you this land. Wouldn't you think, okay, God's just going to clear everything out on his own. We just walk in. Uh-uh-uh, that's not the case. You see, that land legally God was giving to them, but there was enemies in the land. There were some hindrances in the land. Are you following me? Let me say this. You will not receive the blessings of God 
without opposition from our spiritual enemies. Are you hearing me? There's blessings that God has legally given us through Christ, but there's enemies in the land. We need to go in and we need to possess it. Are you hearing me? We need to go in. We need to possess it. There are oppositions, our spiritual enemies, Satan and evil spirits. Listen, don't ever forget this. No blessing of God goes uncontested from Satan and evil spirits. They are always trying to put that stumbling block, that hindrance in front of us. Are you hearing me? And this is why so many Christians are tripped up and they get bitter toward God. God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? God says, no, I've given it to you, but you have to go in and you have to possess it. See, there's a fight that we have to fight. And it's not a fight in the natural, it's the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith. So the children of Israel, God's people, went through the wilderness journey which led them, this is so interesting, don't miss this, the wilderness journey led them to the mountains of the Amorites, their enemies. Listen to this. The enemy was standing in the way of God's people possessing the promised land. And this is what I want to say. The wilderness journey of your life is a preparation time for you to face the enemies to your promised land, to the will of God for your life. Oh, I hope you're taking hold of this today. The Holy Spirit really wants to get this point across here. The wilderness journey of your life is the preparation time, the testing period, the training period to face your enemies and anything else that would stand between you and God's promises from being manifested in your life. The wilderness is a test. It's preparation to take hold of the plan, purpose, and to fulfill the promises, the will of God for your life. I just find that so interesting. The wilderness journey led them to the mountains, it says, of the Amorites. Literally, they're right there on the brink of the promised land. Right there. There it is. They could see it. They could see it. It's right there. But there is an enemy standing in their way. Oh, my. Now, listen. So we need to conquer these enemies and possess the land. Take the land. These enemies could be Satan and evil spirits. This enemy could be Bitterness, unforgiveness, come on, resentment, any other kind of sin and weight that would try to hold us back. And the wilderness journey will always take you to that confrontation of that thing that's standing between you and taking hold of the promises of God. If you fail the test of the wilderness journey by not dealing with your heart issues, in your life guess what happens God gives us a retest the wilderness journey continues we go around that same mountain again but guess where it's going to come back to the mountains of the Amorites see God's promises don't change We are the ones that need to constantly be changing. We need to be tweaking some things. We need to work on some things. Do you find that interesting or is it just me? That wilderness, if you don't pass the test, you just go around that mountain again. And guess what? You're going to come to a place and you're going to say, I've been here before. I've seen this before. I've seen this enemy before. God's trying to tell us something. Always going to the same spot. That's why it's so imperative that we need to deal with these things. And and we need to press through by the power of the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Verse 21. Look at verse 21 here. Says, look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. It's interesting how it says, look. This verse starts out with, look. In other words, God is telling us today, here. In other words, can you see the wonderful plan? Can you see the the incredible blessings of God that await you? 
through the eyes of faith? Are you keeping your eyes on the finish line? Are you keeping your eyes on the promised land? Are you staying close to and are you keeping your eyes on Jesus even in the wilderness journey of your life? Hallelujah. I know it's not a comfortable place, but I promise you, if you will press on, oh, victory, victory, the promised land is on the other side. The blessings of God are on the other side. Let me ask you this. Can you see personally, each one of you, can you see yourself taking hold of the blessings of God in your life? You know, quite often, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this, quite often he'll give you a picture, he'll give you a vision, a glimpse. I know when I first got born again, the Holy Spirit gave me a picture of, of, of something that, almost like he gives you a picture of, of, a, of a blessing or if you want to call it a finished product, but we're never finished. But he gives you a picture of something down the road. In other words, if you stay faithful to me, this will come to pass in your life. And he's saying, he gives you a glimpse. He gave you a glimpse. Somewhere in there, he's given you a glimpse. And he's saying, look at that thing. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to possess the promised land for your life? You see, Jesus endured, I talked about this last week. Jesus endured pain. He endured hardship for the joy that was set before him. That means it was in front of him. He endured it. Jesus was looking through the eyes of faith. And we need to do that also as his followers. Again, let me ask you, how bad do you want to possess the promised land for your life? Are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to conquer the enemy? Are you willing to press through to take hold of that thing? Hallelujah. Are you willing to fight the good fight of faith to possess it? Or will you throw in the towel on your Christian walk? Will you give up? Come on. Or will you look through the eyes of faith to see the promised land that God has for you? Let me ask you this. Can you see what God sees for your life? Or are you too distracted by the trials are you too distracted by the negative circumstances in your life in the natural right now? At the end of verse 21, Moses tells the people of God, the children of Israel, about going up and taking the promised land. He says this, Moses says, do not fear or be discouraged. Come on. Fear and discouragement are the greatest weapons that the enemy uses against Christians. Do you know that? That is the greatest enemy. And he says, fear not. Don't be discouraged, God says, through Moses. We see, God is faithful. Will you be faithful to him? We need to be bold to pursue and to take hold of the promises of God for our life. It's interesting, there's several scriptures throughout the books that the Lord used Moses to write. And in a nutshell, I'm paraphrasing, he basically said, wherever your feet tread, I will give you that land. Wow. You, listen, do you know what the Holy Spirit showed me? In other words, whatever you are bold enough to pursue in the word of God, that's what you're going to possess in your life. You, you see a promise in the word of God? If you're bold enough to go, if you're bold enough to go to God, knock on that thing, boy, you're bold enough to take it, you're bold enough to claim it, wherever your feet tread, that's what I'm going to give you. Are you hearing me? This is why so many Christians are living defeated lives. Because they missed that portion. Well, if God gave it to us, he's just going to give it to me. No, no, no. You've got to go in, brother. You've got to go in, sister, and you've got to pursue it. You've got to possess the land. Hebrews chapter 10. Turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. Powerful passage here. It says, Therefore, brethren... Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. 
by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. Talking about Old Testament stuff here. That is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Come on, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The washing of water by the word. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. See, we can draw near to our Heavenly Father in, with full assurance of faith. I like that. And it just doesn't say assurance of faith, does it? Full assurance of faith. Guys, let me say it again. Either God meant what he said or he doesn't. If he doesn't mean it, we're wasting our time this morning in this building gathering together. You understand that? Now, so we can draw near to our Heavenly Father with full assurance of faith and boldness because, the Bible says, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. And be in agreement with the word of God, which is the will of God for your life. See, listen, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, this is it. God desires for his people to simply believe and agree with him with childlike faith. You understand that? Say childlike faith. I don't care if you're 13 in this place. I don't care if you're 120. That's no excuse not to have childlike faith in our Heavenly Father. Are you hearing me? Age does not matter. doesn't mean a hill of beans. God desires, He expects us to come to Him with childlike faith. I like that. And we can base that childlike faith, that hope and boldness on what? The answer is found at the end of verse 23. The whole reason we can have full assurance and boldly come to him, because for he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Deuteronomy 1, 22. The children of Israel have been on a journey through the wilderness and now they're right on the brink of the promised land. So what do they do? They approach Moses, the congregation, and they ask him to send spies into the promised land just to check it out, see what it's like, and let's see who's standing in our path, who's standing in our way. Well, Moses goes on to choose 12 spies from each of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Now, look at verses 24 and 25. <clears throat> and they departed and went up into the mountains, and they came to the valley of Eshcol, and spied it out. They also took some of the fruit and of the land uh, of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us, saying, "It is a good land which the Lord our God is giving us." So they discover that this land is awesome. This is incredible. It's a good land that the Lord was giving them. Now, I want you to notice something here, and this is so important here. The Holy Spirit illuminated this to me. I want you to notice that the children of Israel questioned the goodness and faithfulness of God. God told them to go in. God never told them to send spies into the land. They needed evidence. Is God really on our side? Is he really taking us into the good land? Are you hearing me? Oh, this is, this is powerful, people. The children of Israel questioned the goodness of God. They needed evidence, physical evidence in the natural, that God had their best interest in mind. That was mistake number uno. That's one, right? Those of you who speak Spanish. Listen to me. How many Christians do you know that question the goodness and faithfulness of God in their life? Oh, this is an epidemic in the body of Christ. 
They got to see something before they believe it. Oh, but the kingdom of God says, you better believe, then you'll see it. God was simply asking the children of Israel, uh, just asking, go ahead, go in, I'm giving you this land. Go fight the enemy, go ahead, I'll be with you, go. They said, we, we want some evidence that our God is a good God. They weren't convinced. Oh my. But with some Christians, there always seems to be a battle in the minds of some Christians. A stumbling block for them. Whether God really wants them blessed. Whether he really wants them healed. And whether he really wants them living the abundant life. Do you know anyone like that? The answer is yes, 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 and yes. See, most of these thoughts, most of these thoughts have been planted in, in Christians' minds by, by dead religious teachings. Come on, I, I mean, even some people who, who had a poor childhood and maybe they didn't have a father, or their father abused them, or, 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 or circumstances in life, what do they do? They take these experiences and they project them toward their heavenly father. Well, you know, that's all they had is a poor example of a father. Are you hearing me? Well, does God really want me blessed? Does he really want me to go in this promised land? Does he really mean what he said? Guys, I'm telling you right now, if you, you know, it's amazing. Some Christians say, you know, oh, well, I have enough faith to, to believe that when I take my last breath, I'm going up into heaven for eternity. But they can't believe God for just little things on this earth. Are you hearing me? There's a disconnection somewhere. But the children of Israel really stumbled over these false mindsets. They really stumbled over these false perception of who God was. That's why it's so important for us as Christians to find out in the word of God who he is. Really believe him. Take the word of God literally. Ah, someone said, I, I, there was someone who told me that this pastor told them, oh, you just can't take the word of God. You can't take the word of God. You can't take the Bible literally. What is this? It's not just some poetic thing. This is the word of the living God. This is what we walk by faith on on this earth. Are you hearing me? And frankly, that minister needs to find a new job. Because he's leading people astray. Are you hearing me? My, my, my. Deuteronomy 1, 26 and 28 now. Listen to this. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. We need evidence. Send those spies, Moses. Send them, send them, send them. Moses gave in to that. And you complained in your tents. And said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Now, I, I, some of you are really taking hold of this message today. God commanded his people to go up and possess the promised land. But rather, they complained because of the evil report 10 of the 12 spies brought back. 10, listen, 10 out of the 12 came back and said, no, these, the land is great, it's wonderful, but there's giants in the land. There's no way we can, we can do this. There's no way we can, we can overcome these people. There's no way we can overcome these obstacles. Ten out of the twelve. Guys, let me tell you right now, the majority is not always right. Two people come back with a good report. There's the evil report of the ten, good report of the two. But the people complained. Did you notice? They said, God hates us. He just brought us out of Egypt just to... Kill us. Oh, what is this? Oh, my goodness. 
But I'll tell you right now, we laugh about it, but how many times have we done that in our hearts toward God? What are you doing, God? What are you doing? We, we, we wrestle with God. We complain. We complain. Really, when we're doing that, we're doing nothing different than what they did. Isn't that something? So 10 of the 12 spies brought back an evil report. Why was it evil? Why was this report evil? Why does God call this evil? It was evil because it contradicted everything that God said. Are you hearing me? Complaining will get you in trouble and open the door to the enemy in your life. When you begin, listen, when you begin to question God's faithfulness in your life. I mean, it will open the door to Satan quicker than anything else. God does not like complaining. I mean, you read the word and you just find out that he doesn't, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. The children of Israel should have just obeyed God and took the land. I want you to understand that the children of Israel seen great miracles, signs, and wonders. The children of Israel seen the provision of God, the manna that God rained down to feed them in the desert, in the wilderness. But it was not good enough for them. I mean, the miracles, the Red Sea parting. I mean, come on. If I seen a Red Sea part, I would say, this God, whoa, my, my. This shows you how deceptive, uh, how, how people can fall into a pit of deception. How they can fall into a pit of despair. And, and their whole mindset just becomes clouded with confusion where they turned it all and said, God, you hate us. What an indictment against the creator. Are you hearing me? And so God became very angry with them because of their complaining, because of their unbelief. They knew better than to question his goodness. They knew better than to question his commands. Isaiah 119. Isaiah 119 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Willing deals with your attitude. Obedient deals with your actions. And the children of Israel failed in both areas. Their attitude, their willingness, their attitude stunk. Complaining, moaning, groaning. And their actions, nope, they leaned upon, come on, the arm of flesh. And what does Jeremiah say? Cursed is he who leans upon the arm of flesh and doesn't make God his trust. Willing and obedient. Say willing and obedient. Are you willing, come on, and put this in your own personal life. Are you willing to confront the enemies in your life? Are you willing to confront the sin in your life that may be hindering you from really going forward? Are you willing? Are you willing? Number two, are you going to be obedient? Are you going to be obedient and press forward? Oh, I don't want to lean, lean out upon the arm of flesh. I don't want to trust in chariots. I don't want to trust in horses. But my trust, my faith goes in the name of the Lord. Amen. How about you? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Powerful scripture. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. How many of you need wisdom for your life? Wisdom in decisions that you're making. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Again, if that is not true, if, if we can't trust God, we might as well just throw this book out right now. Bold thing to say, but I can say it boldly because this Bible is the word of God. You can build your life upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ in the written word of God. Are you hearing me? Yeah. And, and listen, 
Everything does not have to make earthly sense in your natural mind before you obey God. See, the children of Israel needed evidence. I need to see something before I move forward. No, 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 no. No, no. If God says it, you just obey him. You be willing. You be obedient. Take the land. If God tells you to do something, I guarantee you, think about this. He's already sent his angels ahead of you. He's already prepared the way. Oh, isn't this good? Listen, listen, take hold of this. If God commands you to go do something, fear and discouragement, let just throw it in the trash because if God tells you to move now, do something now. Go do this now. He's paved the way for it to come to pass. That's the importance of finding the timing of God. If you're out of timing with God, everything's just going to fall apart. Nothing's going to go right. The provision's not going to be there. But when God says move, oh my, everything will fall into place. You may have some battles on the way. Come on. You're going to have some battles because no blessing of God goes uncontested. But listen, you fight the good fight of faith, everything's going to fall right into place. Don't give up. Don't give up. Pursue the will of God. Pursue the promised land for your life. Hallelujah. So everything does not have to make sense, earthly sense to your natural mind before you obey God. You know who else dealt with this problem? Peter. Turn to Luke chapter 5. Let me show you something here. Boy, Peter sure had some struggles, didn't he? You know, we pick on him a lot, but he did walk on water. Come on. Luke 5. Verses 4 through 8. Not to mention, we can learn some great things of what not to do from Peter. Amen. <laughs> you know, sometimes from people, you just don't learn what to do. You learn what not to do. Amen. Luke 5, verses 4 through 8. Listen to this. When he had stopped speaking, when Jesus stopped speaking, he said to Simon, which is Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon, Peter, answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish that their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now this is interesting, isn't it? Jesus told Simon Peter to launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. But listen, that wasn't good enough for Peter. Peter, Peter tried to straighten Jesus out. By explaining to Jesus, very eloquently, the situation in the natural circumstances. Jesus, we worked, we toiled all night. Man, I've been fishing all night. Didn't catch a thing, Jesus. Jesus, thanks a lot for, you know, the encouragement and stuff, but I'd rather not, Jesus. We, we've been through this before. All night, I'm whipped. I, I gotta go home, go to bed. But then Peter gives up on the battle of the will. That is raging on the inside of Peter's natural mind. And what's the word he says? Come on. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. How foolish are we at times when God tells us to do something and we start flinging off lame excuses and past experiences. Just obey God. That's it. Just obey God. This is a great example of how our own works can be worthless and how profitable it is when we really ride on the timing of God. Are you hearing me? Finally, there were so many fish that the boats were filled and began to sink. And then Peter begins to say this. He says this, Depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You want to know what happened? At that point, Peter realized how foolish he was for questioning Jesus' command. 
How foolish he was questioning the faithfulness of God and his trustworthiness. Peter realized that unbelief is sin. And it's interesting. You know what scripture keeps going over in my mind is that what happened here, how Peter, when all this goodness, the blessing came in, Peter repented. He said, Lord, depart from me. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. You know what happened? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God. How many of you, I know I was like that. Man, when I, when I got born again, I, I thought about all the times where God blessed me despite myself. Yes. Why would God think about me? Yes. Are you hearing me? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. I feel the anointing up here just saying that right now. Hallelujah. But he realized that unbelief in God's word is indeed sin. Romans 14, 23 says, whatever is not from faith is sin. Guys, the whole Christian life is based on faith. Are you hearing me? So if you have a faith problem, if you have a problem in, in faith in God's faithfulness, you have a sin problem. And you need to deal with that right now, today. God's never given you a reason not to trust in him. Are you hearing me? So the children of Israel got focused on the natural circumstances. And what did that promote? It promoted fear. It promoted doubt instead of faith and instant obedience to God. And that was a sin, a snare to the children of Israel from possessing the promises of God. My. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's better just not to know some things. When God tells you to do something, it's better not to know some of the natural circumstances that lay ahead of you. Are you hearing me? To be honest with you, I think that's one of the reasons that God has given us a prayer language. Because when we're praying, we're praying the perfect will of God, and we don't know what we're praying. You know I know why? Because I bet you if we knew what we were praying, we probably would shut up. <laughs> Are you hearing me? I'm being totally serious with you. I'm serious. You know, when we're sitting there just praying in the spirit, we're praying, using our prayer language, we're probably praying something like, Lord, get him through this battle, this struggle that's just ahead. And because if we knew what was ahead, the, the battles, we'd probably get fearful and come on and discouraged but you need to know that God is your air traffic controller he tells you to move friend you just hit that throttle and you take off take off and you just start to soar hallelujah now I want to bring something to your attention in Deuteronomy 128 when the 12 spies returned 10 gave an evil report the giants are too big we're too outnumbered. Look at this now. Ah, Deuteronomy 1, here it is, 28. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged your heart, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Now, this evil report brought confusion, fear, discouragement upon the children of Israel. But what I want to show you there, just... The Holy Spirit just brought this so to my attention. It says, our brethren have discouraged our hearts. I hate to say this, but it is true. Many times we look for other Christians to stand in faith with us when we're going through a battle or trial, but they're so faithless and negative, they discourage our hearts. And I want to encourage you, everyone listening to me, radio, internet, around the world, we need to stand with our brothers and sisters when they're going through a trial. We need to encourage them. Don't tear them down. Build them up. Carry them through. Amen? I, I hate to say that, but it is true. Many times they steal our joy. And the joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. The, the enemy at times uses other brothers and sisters in the Lord to try to kill your dreams. 
They try to stop you from entering your promised land that God has for you. What do you mean the enemy tries to use you? Well, he can't use believers. Oh, he used Peter. Oh, no, Lord, you're not going to die. You're not going to go to the cross. What did Jesus say? He turned to him and said, Satan, get behind me. Don't you think for a minute that if you fall out of step with Jesus that the enemy can't step in and use you for evil? Are you hearing me? It ought not be that way, but it is. And we must guard, come on, we must guard our, the dreams that the Lord has planted in our hearts. That's why you got to be very careful. If the Lord showed you something about your future, you better be very careful who you're sharing that dream with. Are you hearing me? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm sorry to, to rain on your parade, but not everyone's going to rejoice in the will of God for your life. Amen? It ought not be that way. We need to guard ourselves. We need to guard ourselves. That's why the Bible says don't cast your pearls before swine. In other words, if you know someone's going to be negative towards you about something, you know the Lord's planted in your heart. Don't even share it with them. Are you hearing me? Keep it in. Find Christians who, you can, who are in faith, who you can really partner with to pray this thing through and watch it come to pass in your life. Now, but Moses, Moses couldn't get any help from the spies. <laughs> he couldn't get any help from the ten spies, rather, except the other two, Joshua and Caleb, who were full of faith. So what did Moses have to do? He had to do some cleanup work. Can anyone say clean up on aisle one, two, three, four, five? <laughs> it's terrible when you have to do some cleanup. I'll tell you what, man. I tell you. So Moses had to do some cleanup work. He had to try to shift the people back into faith and flush that discouragement out of the camp. But I want to show you this. If... Moses would have just told the children of Israel, no, we don't, we don't need spies. You, we're just going to obey God and go. He never would have had to do cleanup work. Right? All right. Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 33. Are you getting anything out of this today? Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 33 says this. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. This is Moses doing some cleanup work. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. So he's bringing them back. He, he's saying, you remember these past times when God was faithful, just like Laura was saying earlier. You look back at how God was faithful in your past, he's going to be faithful in the future. All right? And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. The children of Israel were leaning upon their own understanding. But Moses was trying to tell them now, come on, come on, we can recoup. God is going to fight for us. He's going to fight for you. The evidence of God's loving kindness and provision did not seem to make any dent or impression on the people. And there are some Christians who choose to remain in the ditch of unbelief. Because I'll tell you, the unbelief is a ditch. God has made known his will and his faithfulness to you through his word. And if you won't believe the faithfulness of God through his word, if you won't believe the faithfulness of God from your past, then, friend, you have a spiritual crisis taking place in your life right now. And you're on a road to destruction. Because I'll tell you, the only sure person that we can hold on to is our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen? Hallelujah. And God takes the sin of unbelief very seriously. I want to close just by finishing here, uh, 34 through 36 here. I'll read quickly here. 
And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, listen, surely not one of these men of this evil generation, he calls this unbelieving people an evil generation, shall see that good land of, the, of, of which I swore to give your fathers, except who? Caleb. He shall see it. And to him and his children I am giving the land on, whom, on which he walked, because he, come on, wholly followed the Lord. The Lord was also angry with me for your sakes, saying, even you shall not go in there. Moses did not even get to go into the promised land. Do you understand that? God was very angry at this unbelief. Jo Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. So the two spies who had a good report, who had faith, Joshua and Caleb, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him. God tells Moses, Moses, you're not going to go in. So now what's your mission? You encourage Joshua because he's going to take him in the land now. For he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones and your children who say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To, to them I will give it and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. They were right on the brink of the promised land. Because of their unbelief, because of their complaining, God said, turn around, you're going back into the wilderness journey again. Then you answered and said to me, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and we will fight. So now the children of Israel are saying, oh, we messed up. Oh man, we're foolish. God, now we believe you. Now we're going to go in, we'll fight just as the Lord our God commanded us. And when every one of you had girded on his weapons of war, you were ready to go up into the mountain. And the Lord said to me, listen, tell them, do not go up nor fight, for I am not among you, lest you be defeated before your enemies. God gave up on that generation. He said, so I spoke to you, Yet you would not listen, but you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. And, oh, here, here's a sermon in itself. And presumptuously, on your own, you leaned upon the arm of flesh without God's timing, went up into the mountain. And the Amorites who dwelt in that mountain came up against you and chased you as bees do. And drove you back from Seir to, to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not listen to, to your voice, nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kadesh many days according to the days that you spent there. The people changed their minds too late. The damage was already done. The anger of the Lord was kindled because of their unbelief. They willingly forfeited their inheritance from God, and the Joshua generation took it by faith. See, if you choose not to believe in the faithfulness of God, you'll be turned away from the blessings by your own free will and the promised land for your life. And you'll be sent back into the wilderness to go around the mountain again to deal with that same sin, to deal with the same weights, to deal with the hindrances that are causing you to spiritually stumble. But you want to know, I know that sounds bleak right now, but listen, the good news it's not too late for you and I to repent of any unbelief that we have in the faithfulness of God. We need to put that sin, put all the sins, put everything that would hinder us under the blood of Jesus Christ. And starting right now, we need to simply trust that our Heavenly Father with childlike faith, that He has our best interest in mind. And we can be bold to confront our enemies that are standing in the way of God's promised land for your life. It doesn't matter what enemies, it doesn't matter what hindrances are in the way. Believe in the faithfulness of God. Believe in the faithfulness of God and stay close to Him. Because our Heavenly Father desires, come on, for His people to simply believe Him, to simply obey His word, with childlike faith. That's all he asks. Don't make this Christian walk thing too. It's not hard. 
Listen to me. Childlike faith. Say it. Childlike faith. Say it. Say today. I am going to have childlike faith toward my heavenly Father. Because He loves me. He has nothing but good for me. Now friend, if you will do that, if you will put that into action, God will fight for you and you will take the promised land for your life. If you want it, say amen and let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father God, thank you for your word that you truly have a promised land for each person in this place today. You have a promised land for each person listening to me over the radio. You have a promised land for every person listening to the sound of my voice around the world on the internet. But some of you haven't even entered in. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. If you're in this place and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, today, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. You don't know when you're going to take your last breath. You don't know. But if you're willing to risk that, that's your choice. God gives us a free will. But just know the provision is there. And if you go to hell, you've needed, needlessly gone there. And you've rejected the provision of his son, Jesus Christ. Just know that. On judgment day, you can't say, Pastor James, you never told me. You never gave me a chance. You can't say it. So if you never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come forward this morning. Be bold. Take a bold step. It don't matter where you've been, what you've done. You come forward boldly, knowing that God desires you to be his child and to be saved. Next, maybe you've fallen away from the Lord. Maybe you're one of them who you've fallen into the ditch, the sin of unbelief. You, you question the faithfulness of God, the trustworthiness of God, and you want to rededicate today. You want to say, God, I believe you. Forgive me for sinning against you. I put it under the blood. If that's you, I want you to come forward. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's a Bible experience. It's not a Pentecostal experience. It's not a charismatic experience. It's not a holy roller experience. It's a Bible experience. Don't neglect the gift, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, I want you to come forward today. Simple to receive, just as easy it was for you to make Jesus Lord of your life by faith. You receive the Holy Ghost baptism by faith. Maybe you need a healing, a physical healing, emotional healing. You're in bondage to fear. You're in bondage to discouragement. I want you to come forward today. The rest of you, I want you just to lift your hands to the Lord right now. And I want you to commit to God. Now, do it. Commit to it. Make a vow to Him if you're willing to do this. Say, God, I am your child. And starting today, I'm going to have childlike faith. I don't care what giants are in the land. I'm moving forward, and I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to obey your voice today, Lord God, in Jesus' name.
The Holy Spirit has just really impressed upon my heart. He's saying if some of you would pray in the Spirit more, you could avoid some of the pitfalls that you fell into. We really need, I just really feel the Holy Spirit telling us, encouraging, use your prayer language more. Use it more. Use it more. It's for your benefit. It's for your profit. He said some things will not come to pass in your life unless you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Because our natural mind does not know what to pray for. Pray in the Spirit as much as you can. Amen? Give the Lord a hand today. Hallelujah. You can, you can stop the recording. Now, uh, 